Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. It's so good to, to worship Jesus. Um, I just thought that worship service was great. I love worshiping King Jesus. And today we are in week five of our, our series called You Have Heard It Said, where we're looking at Jesus' instructions on the, the Sermon on the Mount to his disciples. And as we've looked at over the last few weeks, that Jesus is calling his disciples to a higher righteousness. Right? We talked about how he, was, he called them to a higher righteousness than the, the scribes and the, the Pharisees. And they're like, what are you talking about? How are we supposed to do that? But the way of Jesus is, is the way of, of a transformed heart. And over, over the weeks, there have been some challenging messages, right? I've, I've heard some, some people say, like, well, this is a really interesting choice for, for small groups. We're not easing our way in, right? We're just jumping right into the deep end. And in a, in a sense, that's true, right? But in a sense, this is the basics, Right? This is the starting point. Right? The, the way of, of Jesus is, there's a, there's a cost to it. There's a cost to it. And this, uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus lays out very, very clearly. And today, we are going to be talking about uh, loving your enemies. So this, there's one other uh, chunk that we're going to look at. Pastor Marilee will be here next week talking about Revenge, which is actually a really good lead up to this one, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, so it's, and so Jesus here is talking about loving your enemy. And really, as we look through the story of, of the Bible, it's full of enemies, right? We see them all over the place. From the very beginning, Cain hated Abel, right? Because God accepted Abel's offering instead of, he, of, of his, so he killed him. Right? And King Saul hated David because he had been anointed the next king of Israel. He had stolen the, the people's hearts from him. And so, so Saul tried to kill David every chance that he got. And we see Saul, before he was Paul the Apostle, right? he hated Jesus' followers. Right? And he spent his life trying to snuff out these heretics that said Jesus was the Messiah. He gave his life to, to killing them and stoning them like he, when he witnessed Stephen being stoned in the, in the book of Acts. And so we look at this, this text or this book that's full of, of enemies and violence and hatred, and, and most of us, we go, oh, I don't have any enemies like that. I asked a number of people, I was like, who's your enemy? As I was getting ready for this message, and everybody I talked to was like, I don't have any enemies. I'm like, well, great. Well, you can take a break then for, for this Sunday. It's going to be perfect. Right? right? But the reality is most of us don't have enemies like that. We're not hunting anybody down. We're not trying to kill anybody. You know, we might even think that we are more civilized than that. But we have enemies. I had, a, I had an enemy in, in high school. His name was Dorsey. I'm pretty positive that he doesn't listen to the, uh, the podcast, so I'm feeling pretty safe. I won't give his last name. And he was a bully. He was, he was not a nice guy. He beat up my brother 
at a party one night. It was, it was, it was bad. And, and Dorsey was, it was interesting because he had this big old pickup truck that was really loud. And on the back window, he painted the endorser. And we were like, do you know what that means? <laughs> I think he meant it as a play on the enforcer. But an endorser is a person who signs checks. And it didn't seem as, as scary <laughs> after that. Um, so anyway, so that's, that, that was the only real, like, enemy that I could think of, right? And so I was like, oh, we're kind of more civilized. We've come a long way, and we avoid violent outbursts, right? Uh, but, but even inside, we still burn with anger and hatred, right? If people hurt us or cheat us, people that stand for things that we don't believe in, right? Maybe we're not going to attack them physically, but we're certainly going to bear grudges. We're going to stay out of their way. We're going to declare like submarine warfare. Right? They're never going to know about it, but we are going to attack them every chance that we get. And smiling and exchanging pleasantries when we run into them at church. <laughs> right? Our enemies are those who get in the way of our perfect idea about what life should look like. Right? We fully believe it's our inalienable right to run after life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Right? We believe in that. And we're willing to run over and overpower anybody that gets in our way. One dictionary definition of enemy is a person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. And that's true, but I think in today's world... Even assumed opposition, even disagreement will move someone into the category of enemy. We can look at the, you know, the same-sex marriage debate, gun control, immigration, all of these things. If you believe the wrong thing, you are quickly moved into the category of enemy. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand up for truth, that we don't stand up for, for justice, right? That is what we do. We are Christians. We are bringing kingdom ethic into this fallen, not yet world. But I think what Jesus challenges us with here in this section of Scripture is how do we go about that? You know, in, during communion... We looked at, at Revelations 4 and 5, and we see how Jesus overcame his enemies. Not by overcoming power with power, but by overcoming power with death and self-sacrifice. And so I have a sense this might be another quiet sermon, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. We'll be all right. We'll get through it. Right? Jesus' teaching here to, to love your enemies was absolutely radical. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? How can we love our enemies? And for, for these people that he's talking to, maybe the, the picture of an enemy would have been a Roman centurion, right? These, this picture of the oppressors, the, the, this political regime that had come in to, to, put their, uh, to put the Israelites or to put the Jews in, in their place. Right? That was the enemy. These people that are crucifying believers up and down the highways. And so 
this call to, to love our enemies makes no sense. It looks like weakness. It looks like I'm just laying down. I'm just a doormat. What is that? Right? And I don't have all the answers. Like, I've been wrestling with this text for a couple weeks, but even beyond that, like, this is such a significant call of Jesus. What does this mean? What does this mean to love our enemies? Right? The truth is we have a really hard time loving our neighbors. Let alone, we're like, well, forget enemies right now. We'll just try to, to love our, our neighbors. But this is what the way of Jesus looks like. Laying our life down for the people who are oppressing us, that seems harsh. And it does make no sense if it wasn't for Jesus who laid his life down for us when we were his enemies. When we were pounding nails into his hands. When we were shoving a crown of thorns on his head. Right? He says to each of us, just like he said to, to those who were actually there that day, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Right? And so this text, while many of us think I don't really have an enemy, is going to be very, very applicable for our lives today. As we look to uh, walk out the, the way of, of Jesus, I just encourage you to kind of set down your preconceived ideas of like, oh, this, I'm really good at this. Maybe you are, and that's awesome, but there's always room to grow. So we're just going to dive into this, and we're going to start in Luke chapter 5, verse 43 uh, through 48 is our text for today. Yes, what did I say? Don't go there. It's another good, it's a good place, but it's not where we're going to be today. Matthew, thank you. Uh, And so I actually am using the NASB up here this morning, um, just because. Uh, says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Uh, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more, are you, uh, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus calls his disciples, again, to this higher righteousness, to, to love your enemies, right? They'd heard it said, love your enemies and, and hate, uh, what did it say? Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? And so, you shall love your neighbor is a, a direct quote from the Old Testament. There's no Old Testament verse that says uh, to hate your enemy, but if you kind of pick and choose, there's some different uh, verses and different uh, instructions of God. You know, he, you, know, you got to watch out for those Moabites, you got to watch out for the Edomites. The entire book of Joshua is a little bit of a challenge here, right? And so, they, but Jesus is saying we're stepping into something new. Right? This is it's no longer love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I'm saying to you, love your enemies. And Jesus calls those who would be his disciples to pray, right? To pray and, and to love. So instead of retaliation, instead of one upsmanship, um, you know, instead of slander, which are quick and easy things to start with when we have enemies, he says to start with prayer. Start by loving. 
And then we have a why, right? So why should we love our enemies? And we have in verse 45 this little conjunction that we translate as so that. Right? And this is a conjunction It indicates the, the purpose or the result of the action that, that came before. Right? If you do this, then this will happen. And so the action here is loving your, na- or loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. And what is the result? The result of love, the result of prayer, so that you can be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Or in the NIV, it says that you may be children of of your father. Right? And that's what we want. We want to be more and more like our father. And so Jesus says, if you do this, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, then you will be sons of your father. Right? Because as children, we share our father's characteristics. We, we see the parents' features in, in their kids, right? right? Like father, like son. And we say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I don't know if that's a good thing to say or not. It could could go both ways, probably. Uh, But but children take on those characteristics of their father. But in the fall, we who were created in the image of of God, that image of God was distorted, was, was broken and corrupted. But as we follow Jesus, as we follow the ways of discipleship that have a high cost, we become more and more like our Father. We become restored back more and more to our true self. Because so often we are living as false selves. Like we are trying to look out for ourselves. We feel like we're all on our own and we create all sorts of ways of of doing life to protect ourselves and to keep ourselves safe and to meet our own needs. But Jesus says if we follow after him, we follow the, the way of Jesus, we become more and more like the Father. We become restored back to our true self. Um... That's that. Uh, that didn't work out very good. So, my friend Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy from, from Nichols, he sent me this uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've just been looking over it, and I'm just like, man, I live in my false self a whole bunch. But here's some uh, ways that you can identify or some symptoms of a false self. That I often say yes when I prefer to say no. That's probably not anybody here. Uh, right, number two, I often don't speak up to avoid the disapproval of others. <coughs> what other people think of me is very important to me. That, might, that may be me or may not, I'm not sure. <laughs> when people criticize me, I get defensive and offended. Uh, I sometimes act nice with people with whom I am upset. Right? I struggle with taking risks because I could fail and look foolish. I use knowledge and competence to cover my feelings of inadequacy. I compare myself to a lot of other people. And so all of these ways and more are ways that we live in our false self. We try to, to do life on our own, and it just never works. There's a lot of promise up front, like it's going to be okay if you, you know, if you drink that, or if you look at that, or if you walk down this road, there's going to be joy and fulfillment, and it's going to be great, but there's no payoff. 
right? Following the way of the false self is just pain and brokenness. But the way of Jesus is the opposite. This is a little bit challenging because it's the way of pain and difficulty up front. But it has eternal payoff. And sometimes we try to kind of, kind of tamp down the, the difficulty of that initial uh, following of Jesus. Like, oh, you just got to say a prayer. Just say a prayer and you're in and it's just going to be so good, right? You're going to love being in the kingdom. But if we read the, the Sermon on the Mount and we try to follow the way of Jesus, we realize how challenging it can actually be. So as we uh, follow the way of Jesus, as we love our enemies, as we pray for those who persecute us, we become more and more like the Father. And then we see what the Father is like. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And that's incredible. Yeah. Like, God is just giving what, what, we, uh, or what theologians call common grace, right? He's just pouring common grace and kindness out on all of creation. The sun, right? It's a beautiful drive into to Vandalia the, this morning. The sun's shining and it's, the, it's cool out and it's just beautiful. It's perfect. This might be my favorite time of year. If we could just lock this in, right? We would be, we would be all set. Right, but... Even, and I like to think of myself as kind of like a righteous, good person, right? And I'm like, I deserve this sunshine, right? But that sun is shining on all the people. Yeah. And the rain that, that comes is, is raining on everybody. And we see that, that what we take away from this is that, that God knows the hearts of all the people. God knows everybody's hearts, the good, the bad, the righteous, the nasty, all the people, and yet he pours out love and grace on all of them. And yet I, without knowing what's in people's hearts, withhold grace, withhold kindness, because they need to learn a lesson. But the way of Jesus is different. We received love when we were enemies. This is Paul in Romans 5. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Right? We were his enemies. Like full-on enemies. Not like indifferent, but full-on part of another kingdom, working against him, his enemies. And he died on the cross so that we could be restored. And what we receive, we need to give away. And then Paul continues, and I think he is talking about the, the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe he's thinking about this passage in Romans 12. I'll just read this, this one part. Paul says to this, Paul says this, he says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So if you're hungry, or if your enemy is hungry, feed him, is a more powerful uh, command than if your enemy is hungry, 
don't steal his food. Like, don't steal from him. You know, just try to keep your distance from your enemy and things will probably be okay. But Paul says, seek out your enemy, and if they're hungry, feed them. That doesn't seem very American, Jesus. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. When I worked at Little Caesar, I'd just come, uh, I'd just become a, a believer. I was, uh, I don't know, maybe I was, a, I was saved for a year or something. And I worked at Little Caesars on Cork Street where I met my lovely wife. And uh, at some point in there, we had this transition of, of management from PJ, who was great, to this other, I can't even remember her name, who was not great. She was actually the worst. <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, she, I just, everything she did made no sense. And it was just irritating. And I was, I was, and one night I'm working with her, I'm so mad. And Pastor Cameron comes in to pick up pizzas because he lives in that neighborhood. And, and I was like, I cannot stand, I'm about to walk out. Like, I'm just going to tell her, right, how it is. And like, she doesn't know what she's doing. And, gah, 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 gah. and Cameron quotes this verse to me. And if your enemy is hungry, feed him. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. And I'm like, okay. And so as I was kind and, and loving to this woman, I just imagined God pouring <laughs> heaps of coal on her head. Right? And I'm like, all right, God. I will give kindness. I will give grace. But I'm going to trust you to sort out judgment because this certainly deserves it. Right? But that is, I mean, there's a, there's a reality there, right? We want to, we don't want to wait and trust God for judgment. Like, we know how to do it. God, I can do it. I got this one, right? That's, it's just in us as fallen human beings. We want to bring the judgment that is deserved, at least what we perceive. The way of Jesus says, yeah, maybe you should work harder for her. Maybe you should say kind things to her. Maybe you should believe the best about her and, call, and allow me to work out the other stuff. But that's so hard. So hard. But I believe that's the way of Jesus. And so if we really are the children of our Father in heaven, we need to live like it, not frantic about who's in and who's out, because often that's what our anger and our hatred is about, right? They're in and they're out, and I know who, what, you know, the, this is the good tribe, right? The God-ordained, blessed tribe, right? Then, and everybody else is out. But if we can just, but I don't feel like God is frantic. I feel like he's just, he's got everything under control. He's not worried. He's not hurried. He's secure and Hopeful, he knows how things are going to work out. He believes the best. He loves unconditionally. He's self-sacrificing, humble, and not anxious. Like that is what we can be in this fallen, broken world, right? And the, our political rhetoric just loves to stir up fear and worry and, and doubt and like you should just you know you, you know, huddle up stay with your people you can't trust anybody out there you know, if this person's elected everything is going to go to hell right if or if this happens that, it's all fear God, God, oh no i'm scared and who's in and who's out i got to protect myself but jesus doesn't protect himself 
He just walks in to the place where people hate him, where people eventually arrest him and crucify him. Right? He doesn't wait for Matthew in the tax collector's booth to kind of turn things around. He walks right up to this traitor and says, why don't you come and follow me? Okay, I need to move on. Okay, moving on. So Jesus continues and says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same. Right? Loving those who love you is normal. It is expected, right? It's easy, kind of. <laughs> That's even hard, right? But Jesus says everybody loves those who, who love them. Right? Even the tax collectors and the Gentiles, he's using these, these terms kind of as pejoratives, right? Oh, those lousy tax collectors, those lousy Gentiles. Even those people are, are acting like this, those outsiders, those undesirables. But again, the way of Jesus is different. It's a calling to a higher righteousness, this righteousness that Jesus demands throughout his teachings. Again, higher than the scribes and the Pharisees. I'm going to see if this video works. This week, um, a former police officer named Amber Geiger, I don't know if you guys have been following this story, was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the murder of her neighbor, Botham Jean. And he was at home by, by himself, and she went into the apartment, thought it was hers, thought he was a burglar, and shot and killed him. And a couple days ago was her sentencing, and Botham's younger son, Brant, addressed the court and delivered this message. Is this going to work? That's just the video. Is there a play button, my young friends? Nay. Okay. Well, you should look up that video, right? It is incredible, right? And, and he's saying that, you know, he just is speaking for himself, and he says, I forgive you. And he said, you know, I know that if you go to God, he will forgive you. And he says, I, I love you. And he even said, I wish that you didn't have to go to prison. And then he turns to the judge and says, would it be okay if I gave her a hug? Like, what are you talking about? Would it be okay if I gave her a hug? And so he goes down and, and embraces her. We do have that picture. She's been sentenced to 10 years. She's going to prison. But he extends this love and forgiveness that is incredible. And I think that that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness, is, it's impossible. Right? It's impossible unless we recognize that we have received that very same thing. That we have received love and, and forgiveness even when we were enemies. And it's just it's amazing, you know, and there's other stories of this, seeing this father-like love played out in, in real life. And we just need it. We need to run after it. We are steeped in a, in a culture of, of 
grasping for power and grasping for position and grasping for influence and thinking, man, if I am going to, right, I need to be in charge, right? If we're going to move this kingdom forward, right, we need to, to you know, get all of us in power, right? Then that's how the kingdom will move forward, right? If we, maybe if we get a stronger army or if we get the right people in political office, then everything is going to be okay, okay? This if you disagree with me on this, that's fine. Maybe. Uh, but the way of Jesus is not a way of power. Like these, the, these 12 disciples, they had nothing, right? They weren't, they weren't concerned about the military power of the Jesus followers compared to the military power of Rome. They weren't, com- they weren't worried about trying, how are we going to infiltrate the, the government to get the, the right Jesus-like laws on the books, right? They weren't worried about that. They were just out there living lives of love. When people looked at the first century Christians, they said, Those, oh, that's the enemy-loving people. That's the enemy-loving people. They're crazy. Would anybody look at us as Christians in general and go, oh, they're the enemy-loving people? Trying not to get myself into too much trouble. In verse 48, Jesus concludes this whole section. And this is not really about just loving our enemies, but all of these six chunks of Scripture, these, all these six ways of following Jesus. And uh, he concludes by saying, Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I'm not saying it's wrong to run for like, political... I'm just, caught, I'm just trying to get us to think, what does this mean? What does following Jesus mean? mean, right? And these guys had no power, they had nothing, and so all they could do was love, and then as, that, as it grows, and I just, I don't know how this, how enemy love fits in our modern society of, of power and p- politics. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. But I know that the way of Jesus is not usurped, like, well, now that you have some, con- some power and some authority, you can step away from enemy love and now just force your, your rights and force your way into your country. I, I don't know. I don't know how it all works. But we have to recognize enemy love. Amber says, move along, Mark. Move along. <laughs> and I will. So Jesus says, therefore, be perfect. And he's talking to you. He says, you guys, you disciples sitting around me. He's saying this to us as we are sitting in this room you guys are to be perfect. You guys aren't supposed to be like the tax collectors and the Gentiles that we just talked about in verse 46 and 47. You guys aren't supposed to be like the scribes and the Pharisees that we looked at in verse 20 a few weeks ago. Right? You're disciples of Jesus. You're followers of the way. We live on a completely different level. You're to be perfect. Easy, right? Right, and this perfection, this word that, that Jesus uses here, um, it's more, it's, it's not what we think of as perfect, though that could be included, right? It's, it's more about spiritual maturity. It's about being whole. It's, being, it's stepping in to who God has called us to be. Right? 
Right? What we see here in this perfection that, that Jesus calls us to is a, is a life totally integrated with the will of God, the, a life that fully reflects his character. Right? And this doesn't happen when we say a prayer. And I'm, I'm all in favor of people saying prayers of salvation, but I think we, we miss something when we think, well, I said that prayer and now I'm in. Right? What we see, the, the way of Jesus, what he calls his disciples to, is a, what um, Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. That's the way of Jesus. It's just a long obedience. I'm walking this thing out, and I'm praying that I finish this race well, and by the power of God, by the in, infilling grace of the, the Holy Spirit, I will do it as I wait on Him, as I rest in Him, as I run after Him. We want lives that completely reflect the character of the Father. We want to step into our true selves, to find fullness and abundance of life, and to give out fullness and abundant lives. And the way we do that is by following Jesus, following the way of the cross, dying to ourselves, feeding our enemy instead of running away from him. And so here I was trying, I was like, all right, I got to be kind of practical. What are we going to do that is practical? So, uh, so how do we respond to this as, as a church, as individuals, right? Uh, first, check your heart. This is John Chris. Yeah. Check your heart. That's a, right? But we need to, to take time to ask Jesus, go, where am I withholding love? Where, am I, where and who have I labeled an enemy? And either out loud or through my Facebook posts or through whatever have attacked them and not shown Christ-like love. Right, if we want to be perfect, if we want to be mature, right, we need Jesus. We can't do this without Jesus. And it's not like you just go, oh, I've got to try harder to, to love my enemies. It's not going to work. You might love your enemy for a couple hours, but you're ultimately going to fail. We need to step into the presence of Jesus and let him continue to fill us and transform us so that we can live out of this stuff that we have received. Number two, pray for and love your enemies. That's a real easy application, right? From this sermon, it's literally straight from the verse. Just pray for and love your enemies, whoever that is, right? Whoever the Holy Spirit reveals, like, oh, you've put them in the enemy category. You've put them in the enemy category. Just start praying for them, loving them. Take the, the words of Paul in Romans 12 to heart. How can I feed them? How can I give them water when they're thirsty? That'd be a big step. Right? And stop isolating yourself. Right? You know, don't just pursue relationship with the people that you know agree with you and believe like you. Right? Look out there and find, is there somebody who's your enemy, somebody who is from the opposite political persuasion than you are? Sit down with them and get to know them. What makes them tick? Listen to their story. Listen to what's going on in their heart. You know, and I'm sure there's a lot of other better applications than this, but I think if we started out with this, checking our heart, inviting Holy Spirit in, praying and finding ways to physically, actually reach out and love our enemies and start listening to other people, I think uh, we would be a lot closer to the way of Jesus than maybe we are today. All right, will you stand with me? And I'm just going to close in prayer. Father God, we love you. 
And we thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you uh, that you were willing to lay your life down when we were your enemies. And Lord, I ask right now that you would help us, Lord, to to live this out. Lord, we want to be a a people that other people go, oh, they're the enemy-loving ones. And Lord, help us to figure out how this works in a very complicated world. Lord, we love you. And we give you glory. Amen. Amen.